Welcome back to Over Here. My name is Nick Finzer, and today we have a great trombonist on the show named Nick Grinder. What's up, Nick? Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you, Nick. Thanks for having me. We have so much in common. Our last names and first names are almost the same. Very similar. I think we've both probably gotten, and hopefully not lost work because of it, but... Uh, Yeah, I think that definitely gotten people who thought you were me and I was you, or vice versa. Likewise, likewise. I've shown up to gigs and I'm like, man, I thought you were a lot taller. (laughs) Um, But we're talking today because Nick has a brand new album coming out, or by the time this conversation comes out, I think it'll actually be out already. Um, And uh, so why don't you tell us the name of the record and who's on it? Yeah, great. So the name of the record is Farallon. Uh, It's named sort of for the Farallon Islands. They're uh, islands off the coast of San Francisco, um, where I grew up. And they were kind of a constant presence in my life. Um, on the record is Ethan Helm, who's a great alto saxophone player. Uh, Juan Matrujillo, who's a guitar player who I've known probably for about 10 years now, one of my closest friends. Uh, and on bass, we have Walter Stinson. And on drums, we have Matt Honor. Um, and I love playing with these guys. I think from the first just session that we did, I kind of knew that this was the group that I'd want to record with a bunch so excellent well so that's the record you can go check that out so let's back up a little bit and then we'll kind of circle back to the record so uh you kind of touched on a little bit but tell us a little bit about you know where you grew up and how you got into playing music and how you got from there to being in new york yeah well i I grew up in the bay area i mean i grew up in san francisco proper the city uh and i you know like happened a lot uh, I think probably in the 80s and 90s where our family my family moved to uh, the suburbs north of the north of San Francisco um, and I kind of came up through music through public schools we had a great um, I, I went to a great middle school and actually a great public high school for music um, I originally played trumpet um, and I really liked jazz I really wanted to get into jazz and my teacher had put me on the euphonium uh, baritone horn. I, I don't know. Did you do, ever do that, Nick? Did you ever play euphonium or baritone? Uh, after. I, I played trombone first and then kind of had to figure out valves later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I was kind of kind of the opposite. I, I played actually, I played euphonium, then I played tuba, and then I played trombone. Um, and I kind of was, you know, sort of a not jack of all trades, especially not in middle school. But it, anyway, so I, I had to play all of those instruments before I played trombone. And I got into trombone because I loved jazz um and yeah i grew up in a place called novato california um my high school was the marin school of the arts which was sort of this uh, brainchild of this guy mark peabody who wanted to try to have an art school like within a public school um and it was great because it was free like there wasn't you know uh there was no tuition involved with it but we got like two periods of music a day so i was doing music probably two periods we had like a prep period um, so I had time to practice for like an hour. So I was doing like three or four hours of music um, just during my school time uh, when I was growing up, which was great. Um, did you know the Bay Area is a really great place for like a young yeah? I mean, it's a great place for any musician, but if you're like a young musician, there are so many programs. There, I did stuff at the Jazz School through SF Jazz. Um, did a bunch of big bands there, and through that, um, I was really exposed to sort of the potential that you could have as a musician, a young musician. Um, I met guys, I met Kyla Thade there, um, Billy Buss, uh, who, uh, I, I, John Hadamia was a little bit younger than me, but I was, I was basically exposed to these people who were really, really good at music. And I was really, you know, I was, I was impressed and it kind of raised the bar for me. Um, 
And I went to high school too. The people I went to high school with, a lot of the really fantastic musicians, a lot of them are like doing sort of other stuff now, but I was definitely not the most talented kid by a long shot, just even in my high school. Um, so it's kind of amazing. I'm still amazed that I'm kind of doing this at a you know professional level um, at this age, just because the sheer amount of talent of people just within the Bay Area and just within my high school um, that I grew up with were amazing. And it was kind of like made me, I not that I'm super humble or anything, but I was like, man, I got to get my shit, you know, I, I don't know if I can say that on this podcast, sure, but I got to yeah, get yeah. my, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got to, it was like a very, at a very young age, I was like, wow, I got to get it together. Um, yeah. So that, that, I mean, that, that kind of set the stage. I, I, then I went to Cal State Northridge after that. Um, and it was a, sort of a, a, a weird thing. Um, maybe not a weird thing, but I, I was thinking about this podcast and I was thinking about how it might be good to talk about just my, the financial situation that I sort of uh-huh. found myself in where I couldn't really, you know, it was a thing with my parents that were, didn't want to pay for music, um, which was totally understanding. You know, we didn't have couldn't totally the means to do that. I mean, it's, it's expensive to go to conservatories and the scholarships that I got were not, it wasn't a full scholarship um, to any of the great East Coast schools. Um, so I ended up going to a state school that happened to be really good for me. Um, Cal State Northridge, which I really recommend to people um, who, you know, I, I had to practice a lot and I was really thankful that I could go to this school where they were really focused on, you know, getting your fundamentals down. Um, I studied with a trombone player named Bob McChesney. Um, Alex Isles taught there as well as this guy Andy Malloy, who's a, an amazing studio um, kind of orchestral player. Um, and it was so Cal State Northridge was just a great place for me to kind of get get things together for me and it was a really wonderful practicing environment they you know a really good place um the teachers don't suck either <laughs> the teachers are, are great i mean it was like a cheap school with really amazing teachers um this guy gary pratt taught there who's kind of sort of legendary amongst people in southern california he's just been he's been at cal state northridge probably now i think must be 40 years now or something wow. um yeah, he you know he's kind of an old school teacher, really uh, really hard on people, but really loving. Um, and it was nice to you know it was nice to have that. Uh, Matt Harris was there too, who played in Buddy Rich's band and actually knew. It's funny he actually knew Mike Davis. Um, oh, funny. They, yeah, they, they played on, on Buddy's band at the same time. Um, so it was, it was Matt Harris and, and Gary Pratt who were the, the heads of jazz there, and it was it was like a great community, great just a great place to go. Um, was John Diverso there too when you were there? Yeah, John. Well, John Diverso was he was teaching um, trumpet students, and sort of right when I left, he was transitioning into doing the big band. I think um, the year after I left was like the first year that he led a big band, mm-hmm. and I think he was there for maybe two, maybe three years, but I think two years, and he was kind of. Gary Gary Pratt was retiring, and Gary was like, "This is the cat to take over." And he's, you know, John is such a really l- loving, amazing educator. Um, he he got so much from from kids, and it's everyone at Northridge was sad that when he went to U of M, I mean, UM, I guess, uh, but it's obvious, you know, it's they're so lucky to have him there. But uh, yeah, totally. Yeah, but, so I interrupted your story though. So so you That's did okay. Cal State Northridge and you had a great mm-hmm. experience and then how did you get to the East Coast eventually? Um so I got to the East Coast. I have always I always wanted to go there and play, you know, here. I always wanted to play music here. That was sort of the goal from um from when I sort of started, I knew that this was kind of the place I wanted to be. Um I applied to a bunch of schools. Um again, the financial thing, I ended up going to NYU because they offered me a really 
fantastic scholarship um, and uh, an adjunct teaching job, which was good. Um, and after a while, I actually talked to a lot of people out here, and uh, it, it was again sort of a, a financial decision that ended up working out to be a really good musical decision too, because. Um, it happened that I got to study with some really good teachers and the way that, um, anyway, so I went to NYU for grad school, um, and the way that things sort of worked out, uh, it, they gave me a lot of freedom to sort of do what I wanted in terms of classes, in terms of, uh, private study. So I ended up getting to study with Alan Ferber, Elliot Mason, uh, Ralph Alessi, um, and John Rojak too was the, the classical teacher at the time. And I got some couple lessons with him, um, but that was also a great experience. I mean, you know, being being in New York is, uh, you know, as as I'm sure you know, I feel like it's being in the city is the lesson and the school. <laughs> yeah. Depend, depending on how, how much you put yourself out there and, you know, where, where you're going and stuff. So, um, so yeah, from there, I, I graduated in uh, was it 2013, I guess. And I've I've been here since since then, since I came in 2011. And I'm I'm still still here still so, there you know, doing still your thing there. doing the thing doing nice man so tell me a little bit more i know you've kind of brought it up for a, a minute there and i think it's really an important topic to kind of touch on i know it's not super related to the album but um about the financial decisions that led you to choose the schools that you did you know because i know for me i started teaching at university of north texas and that's a big thing for me with the students is like it's actually an affordable school when you see somewhere like Berkeley that's sixty eight thousand dollars a year and then um, being realistic about like how much we make as jazz trombone players you know yeah could talk a little bit to that yeah I mean especially man I mean it's not you know my um, creative the creative aspects and the super musical aspects of my career are definitely not the most lucrative I mean I do a lot of you know, I do a lot of Broadway and a lot of commercial stuff, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of weddings, a lot of Jewish work. You know, the whole thing. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, you know, even with that, I mean, especially when you're first starting out, I, it, it's to come out of school saddled with debt is just really rough. And I mean, I know so many people who that was kind of the reason why they didn't pursue a music degree because I mean, especially in the beginning, um, it's going to be hard. You know, it's, it's financially you kind of have to afford to be able to be poor in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it's not like it, it's not, not super poor. I mean, it's, obviously it's a struggle for everybody in a different way. Um, you know, it's, you can make it and you can make it work. Obvi you know, it's totally possible and it's totally within reach. But if you have $500,000, uh, a month payments to make, you know, that doesn't leave a whole lot left over. Um, when you're playing 50, dollars gigs, you know, yeah. um, you know, especially, and especially, you know, when you're starting out, it's like, man, I, I did all the work that I could that was, you know, even stuff that wasn't, uh, you know, creatively fulfilling or financially fulfilling, just, you know, just so I was like, I just wanted whatever experience I could get. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, even, even doing that, doing everything sort of related to music, teaching and, and playing parade gigs and all this, you know, sort of strange stuff we find ourselves doing outside of school. Um, I don't think I could have done that if I was saddled with a ton of debt coming after. I mean, it's, it's just important because it's, it's, it's something, yeah, it's something nobody talks about, but in order to have the space to, to be creative and to really sort of make the most out of your degree, almost when you get out of school, it's like, you know, working, working a job that <laughs> helps support those kind of exorbitant payments is uh that doesn't leave a whole lot of time for practice i think you know 
No, you're um, totally right. Yeah. So, um, and it's definitely yeah, something that, that, you don't, you don't, people don't talk about it. And I also think it's difficult to understand as an 18 year old, like what, yeah. what compromises you're creating for yourself in the future, you know? Right. Yeah, totally. Um, it, yeah. And it's, it's a thing too, because I mean, I feel like there's, it's not an illusion, but I knew when I was in school and when I was sort of talking about, it, I mean, there's so much amazing stuff for young musicians, you know, like 24 and younger. I mean, competitions, even 30 and younger, you know, there's so much, so many great opportunities to make music. Um, and I feel like we kind of go into the real world thinking that that's sort of the thing. But I, I knew when I went into the real world, there were a lot of amazing opportunities from other people. Um, but having those translate into things that are necessarily financially uh, viable or that sort of help you live is is a different story, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, so that's, it's, it's just a thing. It's a thing to think about, and it's by, by no means it should it be interpreted as being, uh, you know, I, I'm not dark on anything like mm -hmm. that or whatever. It's definitely, you know, it's, 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 it's a reality that is good to... Consider. Yeah, you're just shining a light where sometimes people don't spend yeah. a lot of time shining a light. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so speaking to your ability to, you know, have that creative outlet, mm -hmm. could you tell us a little bit more about how you put this band together, how you put the record together, and yeah and some of the about some of the music yeah sure i i mean the band uh kind of just felt felt you know kind of fell together i had been having a bunch of sessions in uh well wanter here wanma is a really great friend of mine like i said we went to cal state north northridge together he plays guitar on the album um and so we've been having a bunch of sessions i i'd been sort of writing a lot of music and and we've been having these sessions and would play and you know sort of see what worked and stuff um and kind of this combination of, of having Matt, Honor, and Walter play um, was, it kind of just happened out of, I think, like the person who played regular uh, bass in sort of our little group couldn't make it. Um, and, uh, you know, no slight to anybody else, but, you know, when, when something happens that has a lot of uh, energy and it feels right, it's just amazing when it feels right, I think. Um, and so we would have these sessions at Juan's apartment, and it kind of, when the band sort of came together, it came together. Um, you know the music, the music itself. I, I really tried to make sure that it was uh there was a lot of variation and stuff. I the tunes that I picked, I, I tried not to do anything that was overly um, complicated. At least I didn't think it was that complicated. Um, I've played I played this set of music with a couple different bands now, and sometimes it's like, man, this is like, why did I write this so strangely? <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, I tried to make it kind of not complicated and really just tried to sort of see where I heard the music going in each tune as opposed to thinking there's a prescribed way to do stuff um you know the the Farallon islands are this they're these beautiful islands you can't even really see them sort of outside um from san francisco or anything like that but you when you're on the golden gate bridge you can see them and also in there's a big swath of federal and state land right north of san francisco that um i spent a lot of time there it's it's kind of uh oh you there see these yeah, are you there? You, it just you cut out. There? It just cut out for a second. Oh, weird. Okay, cool. You're good though. Is it good now? Yep. Okay, cool. Um, anyway, so the Farallon Islands, you can sort of see them from this big protected uh, federal and state wilderness area called the Point Reyes National Seashore. Um, I spent a lot of time out there when I was young. It's about kind of an hour hour drive from where I I grew up, and it's it's just a such a beautiful place. And I, I really think that sort of the concept of just place you know like where we grow up or where we live um it's really powerful you know when you go to a new place i'm sure you man you you know touring so much 
there's a vibe that a place has that's really impactful. Um, and I think the longer we spend in that place, we kind of don't think about that vibe um, until we leave and then we come back. Um, and I, I kind of think music is, is a similar way. You know, we grew up, I, we, we all grew up with records that we loved, you know. Mm-hmm. And when we, return, when we return to those records, it's like, it's amazing. It feels like we're coming home in a way. And it feels like we're coming back to this whole place that we built ourselves with but you know we can see it change and stuff like that um so anyway i i I tried to pick music and i tried to sort of make music that i thought was you know reflective of that sort of spirit you know it's hard it's 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 always hard to to have a um prime directive for something like that when it's um you know when you're in the midst of creating it but i you know tried to sort of do that Nice. So now I'm curious, man, like, what are those records for you? Oh, I mean, man, almost everything that Miles made, I was like, Miles, um, stereotypical, but Kind of Blue was really like the first jazz record that I like came to love. Um, the, some of, I like Bill Evans at the Vanguard, um, the 64 album was another one that I really liked. Um, JJ Johnson, the opera house one with Stan Getz, Mm -hmm. um, Kind of like these, you know, classic, sort of classic records. Um, a lot of the hard bop stuff, um, you know, like that Coltrane era, a lot of uh, Curtis, Curtis Fuller solo on, um, you know, uh, <laughs> on Moments Notice. And that, you know, the stuff from that record is big to me. Um, another one was the quintet at Massey Hall with um, Charlie Parker and Dizzy Gillespie, like mm-hmm. Max Roach. You know that you know that record. I mean, that was yeah. I, I yeah. I I remember just list. I was in middle school and just listening to that on like a long car ride and just like, you know, exploding. It's like so you know so fantastic. Wow. Um, yeah, trains my favorite things. Um, another one, uh, Dave Holland with the Live at the Birdland album. You know that one? I think we all listened to that. Oh one. yeah, uh, with Prime Directive on it. <laughs> I'm direct, yeah, speaking of Prime Directive, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So the, I mean, some of those. We're really into it, but I—I I mean, my my mom was super supportive. I actually played in the youth orchestra, um, all all in high school. And after the youth orchestra would go, and I, every week she would buy me a record. And I think, I did you have Borders books and music? Where, sure. Yeah. Where yeah. So we'd go to Borders, and they had a great jazz selection. And like I'd pretty much buy like a record a week and check it out. Wow. Um. So yeah, I I feel like I have almost all of Miles stuff. Um, the second quintet with Miles was really especially later in high school. Um, a lot of that stuff was really uh, impactful for me. I had a, a, a good drummer friend um, named Nick DeReese, um, another Nick, actually. Um, but he was like totally, he's, I, I swear, he's like when he was 18, he was like a Tony Williams clone. Like he was just doing all that stuff. Oh, wow. Um, I mean, he was, he was incredible. And I, I wish, there are so many people who I feel like, man, sound, sound so good and do still sound good, but are, you know, doing other stuff. Um, but anyway, so I got really into Miles' second quintet. I love love the, that stuff. Nice man. So tell us a little bit. What what else are you up to around New York? What's what's happening these days? Yeah, um, I mean, I do a lot of commercial stuff. I do a lot of. I was, I guess, I'm, I'm like selling out six shows. Um, Whoa. Right now, six. Yeah, yeah. It's a little little too much sometimes. But um, I'm actually I'm I'm starting one of my own next week, which is nice. It'll be nice. a huge change for me. Um, just because, yeah, it's it's always an interesting thing. I mean, um, you know, career-wise, it it's like 
there's stuff that pays money and taking care of that stuff like you know learning a broadway book is uh pretty challenging i think i i've always i struggle even every new book i'm still like man i this might be the one where i get nixed you know um (laughs) (laughs) but uh i've been doing a lot of that i mean i've been i try to do as much creative sideman stuff um as i can i play in a lot of you know a lot of big bands kind of the the kind of the same stuff i'm sure that you you know i'm still playing rehearsals with ed palermo and stuff when i can yeah yeah (laughs) which is fun we're actually going to germany this summer Uh, nice yeah he plays the zappa now fest um which is like a zappa festival um i just did brian crock's record which you you know about um, Mm -hmm. and i love yeah we did the winter jazz fest i love playing with that band um anna weber uh who's a great Mm -hmm. composer and Angela morris i guess they they both they lead a big band um and we have there's a record coming out sometime I think on Greenleaf we did like a live recording. Um, we're playing at the Jazz Gallery next month. Um, and yeah, just you know, kind of uh, whatever whatever comes around. You know, Seth Weaver just had a he just recorded too. I think is that coming out on Outside In? I think so. Record? As far as I think we talked a couple times, so I think so. But ultimately, cool. you know, it's up to him. But yeah. uh, I guess I shouldn't say that on the podcast. Yeah, no, it's fine. <laughs> People will be like, why didn't he put it out on? <laughs> we good. The legions of fan peer pressure. Hopefully, writing a new batch of music and hopefully recording in the in the winter again. I have, you know, have some sort of new ideas and different sort of directions I want to take with things. So um. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So. So what's um, the uh, what's the show? What's your show? Oh, so I'm I'm taking over beautiful. Oh um, nice. The, yeah, I don't think so. I mean, it's yeah. We'll see if it uh, we'll see if it runs more than five years. It's already been open for a long time. So yeah, it's, it's been open for a while, right? Five years. Yeah, five years. Um, so they could you know pull the rug out from any moment. But um, yeah, start starting that. So we'll see if I can get my little, you know, my my sort of strategy with uh, this stuff. You know, making a record. I'm talking about man. Talking about money. Like yeah, making right. a record is super expensive. Um, so I'm hoping that this will give me a little more. Freedom and you know making making a making yeah. another record you know hopefully and doing it doing it right. So. Yeah, man. And so, what is there any release shows shows with the band coming up that we can yeah let people know about? Uh, yeah, March um, March twenty first Thursday March twenty first. I'm playing at the Cell in Manhattan. Nice. Um, I think it's on like twenty third Street or something like that. You know. Um, yeah. yeah, we're playing at seven thirty. Um, and uh, yeah, we actually we, I had sort of a soft release in California last week at the Jazz School, which I guess is now the California Jazz Conservatory. But um, but that was fun. And uh, yeah, other than that, I'm I'm in the process of booking a tour for September. But um, kind of just that one release show right now. Hopefully more soon. But you know. nice. So March 21st, and the album is called Farallon, and uh, you can find that on all your favorite streaming. Uh, places and probably you can get one from Nick if you show up to the cell on March 21st 21st yeah 21st excellent well Nick thanks for taking so much of your time this morning to hang and talk and share about the new record yeah well thank you Nick thank you for doing all that you do for young musicians such as myself it's quite inspiring I gotta say (laughs) really it's really great thanks man yeah I'm happy happy to help if I can yeah, no, I mean, just, just you're setting a great example for everyone. It's really, it's fantastic. That's Nick Grinder, and his new album, Farallon, is available now. Stream it at the, your favorite streaming platform. And uh, we're really excited because there's so much great music happening in the first half of 2019. Uh, we have Nick Grinder's album as well as Jordan Fate 
Danny Janklow, and a whole host of others. So be sure to be subscribed to the Outside of Music podcast channel, YouTube channel. Check us out, outsideofmusic.com. And we appreciate you being here to listen. So thank you, and we'll be back in just a week.